Thanks for joining us for today's message. Here at Temple Baptist, we're a church on a mission, connecting people to Jesus and to one another. I want to begin this morning by sharing with you something about myself. Now, it's not a strength. In fact, I would say it's a weakness, maybe even a flaw. Now, don't laugh, but here it is. In a car, I am a terrible passenger. In fact, when it came time to teach my kids how to drive, my kids refused to let me teach them. It had to be mom. You've heard of a nervous driver? Well, I am a nervous passenger, and I don't hide it well. I don't. I will make comments. I will sit uncomfortably. I'll actually pretend that there's a break on my side of the car. I know how bad it is, so I don't blame my kids for not wanting me to teach them. In fact, I did take Emma out once because Emma's our firstborn, and I thought, you know, this is something that a, a dad and a child should do. And we went out, and we came back, and I'll never forget what my daughter said. She looked at me and said, Dad, I cannot do that again. The way you behaved actually made me more nervous when I was driving. Now, I'm not going to make excuses for myself, but I know why I struggle. You see, when it comes to driving, I have control issues. I'll face it, I'll face it. I want to be behind the wheel. I want to control the direction of the car. I want to control the speed of the car. Now, as I was thinking about that, it got me thinking about this, is that when it comes to life, I think a lot of us have control issues, right? We like to be behind the wheel. We like to control the direction. We like to control the speed. We don't like it when someone else is right. And we don't like it when someone rules and reigns over us because we want to have control. And so this morning, what we're going to talk about is this, is how this desire for control can actually impact our relationship with God. And because it is Father's Day, I thought it would be appropriate to talk about Abraham, right? He is the father of many nations. And here is a guy who had a control issue. But the interesting thing is this, is God still decides and chooses to use him despite his issues. So let's start at the very beginning when God first comes to, to Abraham, who is known at that time as Abram. So if you have your Bibles or your phones, wherever you have, go to Genesis chapter 12. And I'm going to give you a heads up. We're going to kind of move through the story of Moses. And so we're going to kind of, I mean, uh, uh, Abraham. So we're going to go from chapter to chapter. So just follow me as I go along. But first of all, Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 3, this is what it says. The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the people on earth will be blessed through you. And then, on another occasion, God actually literally makes a covenant with Abraham. If you go to chapter 15, look at Genesis 15, verses 1 to 6. It says this, after this, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a dream. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and your very great reward. But Abraham said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, this man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky 
and count the stars if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord and it was credited to him as righteousness. So get this, God tells Abraham that he's going to make him into a great nation and that his descendants are going to be more numerous than the stars in the sky. But there's a problem and the problem is this, his wife Sarah is unable to have children. Now, I love what it says here because it says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Get this, Abraham chooses to believe God's promise even though it didn't make sense to him. Now, I want you to understand this. This promise was made to Abraham when he was 75 years old, but he didn't see it fulfilled until he was 100. So Abraham waited for 25 years years. Now, you've got to stop and think about that for a moment. 25 years is a long time to wait. And I can almost guarantee you that in that time of waiting, there were probably moments where Abraham questioned God's faithfulness. And it was probably in one of those moments that Sarah, his wife, comes to him and suggests this. Look at Genesis 16, verses 1 to 2. It says, now Sarai, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children. But, he, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go, sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Now, at this point, Abraham has a choice to make. To trust God's faithfulness, leaving the control in God's hands, or taking things in his own hands, which ultimately means that he was taking control. Now, unfortunately, Abraham chooses the second option. And what we learn from history is this, is whenever mankind has tried their best to prove they're in control, they have been frustrated and failed. And what we notice here is this, is that Abraham is no exception. The Bible tells us that Hagar becomes pregnant and Sarah begins to despise her. In fact, listen to what Sarah says to Abraham in chapter 16, verse 5, it says this, you are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. I put my slave in your arms, and now she knows she is pregnant. She despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Now, I don't know if you know this, but the choice that Abraham made that day, we are still suffering the consequences of it today. And you'll especially notice that if you ever go to Jerusalem, it is the conflict between the Jews which are the descendants of Isaac, who is the son of Sarah, and the Muslims, who are the sons of Ishmael, who was the son of Hagar. Now, here's the thing is we shouldn't be surprised because what we notice is this, is that is what happens when we decide to take things into our own hands. Now, this is what I love about this story. Despite Abraham's control issues, God remains faithful to his promise to Abraham. Check this out. Go to Genesis 21, verses 1 to 3 says this. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the very time God had promised him. Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him. And so God fulfills his promise and provides an heir for Abraham. But I want you to get this. God isn't done with Abraham yet, though. 
there is still the, the issue of control. And God wants to make sure that Abraham has given up control and surrendered it to him. And so what he does is this, is he tests him. And in Genesis 22, we read this story in verses 1 and 2. It says this. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to, he said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to, the, go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. You know, the Bible tells us that Abraham responds in obedience. He takes his son and is willing to offer him to the Lord. Abraham, in this act of obedience, is demonstrating for God who is in control. Abraham puts his trust in God's faithfulness because Abraham realized that God provided Isaac. And because God is faithful, Abraham knew that God would continue to be faithful even through this difficult time of surrender. In fact, some theologians have suggested this, that Abraham believed that God was so faithful that he believed that God could raise Isaac from the dead if need be. Here's an interesting interaction between Abraham and his son Isaac in uh, Chapter 22, verses 7 to 8, it says, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And I love what Abraham says here. He says, Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. And so what we see in this passage is Abraham is walking in obedience believing that God is faithful and believing that God is in control. Now, the story tells us that Abraham prepares the altar. He binds his son, he lays him on the altar, and he takes the knife. But at that moment, God intervenes. Look at verse 11 of chapter 22. It says this, But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. So he went over, took the ram, and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. You see, the reason why God tested Abraham was because God needed to know that Abraham understood who was in control. Because God had great plans for Abraham. But in order for Abraham to experience those plans, he had to surrender control to God. And by his willingness to give up his one and only son, Abraham did just that. And so here's the question that we need to ask this morning. How does this story relate to us? Well, I think, first of all, I believe this, that God wants to, do, wants to use us to do great things for him as well. But like Abraham, we have control issues, especially when it comes to waiting on God. And so what we learn from Abraham's example here is this, is we won't experience those great things until we surrender control to God. Now, there's two practical ideas I want to leave with you this morning when it comes to surrendering control that we learn from the example of Abraham. And so I want you to write this down somewhere, maybe in your Bible or a piece of paper, maybe in your phone, right? The two ideas are this. The first one, when it comes to surrendering control, 
is lay it down, and the second one is let it go. Lay it down and let it go. Let me explain. You see, when Abraham laid Isaac on that altar, it was an act of worship. It was Abraham realizing who God was and who he wasn't. And Abraham understood that Isaac didn't belong to him. His son was a gift from God that was entrusted to him. And I believe this, that we need to have the same attitude as Abraham. Surrendering control begins with laying down those things in our lives that we want to control. It means understanding who God is and living in that belief, showing him the honor and the respect that God deserves. Pastor David Jeremiah said this in one of his sermons, which I thought was really good. He said this, our world tries to bring God down to where we are because we feel so distant from him. But we need to leave God where he is and get on our knees and revere him because he is worthy of our respect. You see, when we take those areas and those things in our lives that we want to control and we lay them down before God, that is the kind of worship that I believe God desires from us. And so surrendering control begins with laying it down. The second thing is we have to let it go. As we read this story, what we'll notice is this, is that God told Abraham what to do with Isaac. And listen to this. The next morning, he simply obeyed. He didn't argue, manipulate, or try to convince God otherwise. Listen to me. There was no plan B. Abraham didn't bring a backup sacrifice. He simply let the situation go. He simply let the situation go and let God do what he saw fit. And because of that, he experienced God in a way that he wouldn't have if he didn't let it go. Abraham saw God's provision because Abraham got out of the way. In fact, I love verse 24 of Genesis, or verse 14 rather, of Genesis 22, it says this. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. When we let it go, we get out of the way. And when we get out of the way, we will experience God in some amazing ways. But listen to me. We can never experience God's provision when we think that we are the ones providing. Did you get that? We can never experience God's provision when we think that we are the ones providing. So, despite Abraham's flaws, God used him powerfully. And I believe with all of my heart that God desires to use us in the same way. But like Abraham, we have to learn to surrender control. And Abraham shows us what it means to lay it down and let it go. I want to close this morning by giving you two questions I kind of want you to wrestle with, or for all of us to wrestle with during this week. The first question is this, is what are those areas in our lives that we need to lay down? What are those areas in our lives that we need to lay down, lay it down before God, as an act of worship. 
And the second question would be this, is what are those areas in our lives that we need to let go of? Where we need to get out of the way so that God can show up and we can experience him in an amazing way. Thanks for listening, and consider joining us live on Sundays at 9.15 and 11 a.m. For our address, directions, and any other information, find us online at templebaptist.com. There's no